0: It's a topic that's pretty popular in the visually impaired community, but it's one that can be misunderstood. So we're going to take a crash course into the wonderful world of guide dogs. And that's coming up today on episode 15 of Life After Sight Loss Radio. Welcome to Life After Sight Loss Radio, the podcast helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Derek Daniel. I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. If you're new to the program, hey, welcome aboard. This is the place where we do product reviews, life advice, encouragement, and so much more, all with the express purpose of helping individuals and families who are facing physical sight loss. Hey there, guys. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm super excited about today's episode. We've got a topic that's really popular among the visually impaired community and even among the sighted community as well. And today we're talking about guide dogs. I am a former guide dog user myself, so I'm going to share my experience using a guide dog. What is it like? Answer some questions that you might have and hopefully have a great little, I don't know, guide dog 101 crash course kind of thing today. I'm super excited about it. So we're going to discuss all kinds of things surrounding guide dogs. Before we jump into it, as always, you can find the show notes to today's episodes, which includes links, images, information, conversation, and more over at Life After Sight Loss, Dot com slash zero one five that's life after slash zero one five so without any further ado let's jump into a little news and updates as many of you know i love my apple products especially my iphone and my ipad iOS 10 came out last year and they've most recently announced iOS 11, which will come out later this year, but I'm sure that if you're using an iPhone and an iPad, you probably have some features that you didn't even realize that you could do. Just a couple of little th- tricks and tips and things like that. So I've got an article over in the show notes for you to check out. It gives you seven hidden features or secret features of iOS 10. Now, they're not necessarily hidden and they're not necessarily you know the, the most amazing things, but they're little things that you can do, especially if you have a phone, uh, 6S or higher, that has 3D touch. So hop on over to the show notes and check that out because if you're using an iPhone or an iPad, which I think is great because I love my iPhone and iPad, you wanna know these tips and tricks because they are fantastic and they'll help you use your iPhone and iPad that much better a man in Austin, Texas says he and his guide dog are still learning to become a very efficient team together. He was on the news talking about it, and at one point, the dog even went up to sniff the camera, and the gentleman ran into the, the cameraman or the reporter. And so, it just goes to show that the guide dog relationship isn't perfect right out of the gate. Of course, we're going to talk about that more here in just a minute, but it's important to note. So, if you want to see the video of that, just go over to the show notes, com slash 015, and I I've got a link there. You can watch the video and read the article about this gentleman and his guide dog. It's really interesting and gives you some encouragement in case you get a guide dog and you're like, isn't this supposed to be perfect in the first two weeks? It's not. So check that out over in the show notes. And finally, an organization in the UK called Project Insight is working on making autonomous driverless vehicles for visually impaired and blind people. They're actually using technology that's used at their airport right now. They have these kind of pods, they call them ultra pods, where they're driverless autonomous vehicles that get them around the airport. And so they're trying to take this technology and apply it to uh, downtown public transportation, things like that, so that visually impaired and blind people can find rides in that area. Again, it's called Project Insight, and it's really interesting. I don't think they're quite there yet, but the technology exists. Obviously, they're using it, so implementing it may be a little more challenging just because of the public and other vehicles and things like that, but we can see that driverless vehicles are on the way, and so I'm excited about this. The UK is making great strides towards it. I'm sure the technology is going to just make leaps and bounds in the next few years, so driverless cars seem really exciting. What do you guys think about that, driverless cars? Do you have an opinion about that? What about the other stories I shared? And maybe you have something you'd like to share as well for the news and updates. I'd love to hear from you. You can send me a Facebook message, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, or send me an email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at (laughs) lifeaftersightloss.com. wonderful world of guide dogs. Maybe you've heard of what a guide dog is. Maybe you've had one. Maybe you know somebody who's had one. Maybe you've got a friend who had one, whatever the case is. But guide dogs are amazing, amazing animals. I had the privilege of being a guide dog user uh, a few years back, and it was just awesome and wonderful. The guide dog I had, his name was Scout, and he was a beautiful yellow lab. He was an amazing dog, very, very smart. Uh, He ended up retiring and then going back to live with his puppy razor. And then he since has passed away, but he was just an amazing dog. And I know a lot of people ask me about Scout and guide dogs and things like that. So I thought, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about it. Because if you are visually impaired, if you've lost your sight recently, this may be on your mind. I can remember when I lost my sight, I was like, can I get a guide dog now? Is this a thing? Like, I don't even know how this works. And when I jumped into the world of guide dogs, there was so much I didn't understand and, and sort of missed understood, I guess, certain things too. So I wanted to give you just an overview, sort of a Guide Dogs 101, if you will, on today's podcast. I'm probably not going to answer every question you have. So feel free to send me your questions about Guide Dogs, lifeaftersightloss.com slash contact. You can hit me up there and I'd be happy to answer any other questions on future podcasts, maybe send you a personal message, whatever the case is. But I want to go through just a few specific things about Guide Dogs so that we can understand them a little bit better and maybe get those questions you have answered. Now, before I start, please bear in mind, I'm not a guide dog trainer. I'm not an instructor. I don't work for a company organization that does this. I'm just a former guide dog user myself, so I have some experience along with this. But if you want detailed answers, make sure you contact an organization yourself, and I've got a recommendation for uh, a, a great organization here coming up at the end of the podcast. Now, the first thing is, what are they really called? Are they guide dogs? Are they seeing eye dogs? Are they, you know, what are these supposed to be called? Well, here's the thing. There are different organizations around the country that have a service for providing guide dogs there is guide dogs for the blind there's guiding eyes there's seeing eye there's leader dogs there's pilot dogs there's a lot of different organizations and so you might think oh so is it a leader dog or is it a guide dog or is it is it a seeing eye dog is that right well really the overall term is probably dog guide that's really the overall term and the term guide dog has become synonymous with all the ones even though there is an organization specifically called guide dogs for the blind that isn't necessarily talking when you say guide dog you're not necessarily talking about that organization so the general term is usually dog guide a dog who is helping to guide you and that sort of thing so if you are just looking for a general term well it's probably dog guide or you can use guide dog interchangeably as well now some people wonder about the cost that is involved with uh, obtaining a guide dog when I got my dog I think they said the cost was like $25,000 per dog uh, to go through training, to go through puppy raising. Uh, basically, what happens is just as a kind of a side note here, uh, dogs start off as puppies and a lot of times they'll go out to puppy raisers and uh, puppy raiser will raise them for an entire year and then bring them back to the organization. Now, that's not specific to every single place, but that's kind of how it works. Uh, they do take some donations, but mostly they have their own uh, puppy raising uh, organization or wing of their organization, if you will. And so the puppy raiser does it for... Um That whole year, and they can do it for different reasons. Sometimes I know in my case, uh, the person who raised my dog as a puppy did it for a 4-H project, and they teach him obedience. They teach him, you know, go out to the bathroom, things like that. It's that basic, very basic puppy obedient kind of thing, and then they bring them back, and so then the dog goes through training. uh, They go through all their dog guide training and that sort of thing, and so the cost involved for all that was about twenty five thousand dollars. Now this was, you know, decade over a decade ago, and I'm sure the cost has raised since then. But the great thing about, I, I think, at least most of these organizations is there's no charge for you to get your guide dog. No charge. In fact, when I went to get my guide dog, they paid for my flight there, as a matter of fact. So there's no charge whatsoever, and it's it's just an amazing thing. I say that just to let you know that if you're looking for a way to give charitably to something, guide dogs and leader dogs and pilot dogs and all these places, they definitely could use your support and your help because they're not necessarily getting funded by the government, so they always can use your support. So check it out and consider giving giving to an organization. Now, again, many people wonder about the process of obtaining the dog. We kind of talked about how the dog goes through puppy raising, then it goes through the guide dog training, and that, can, uh, that time varies on every organization. But the process for you to actually go get the dog is very interesting. Now, again, I'm basing this off of what I went through. It's a little different for each organization, but overall, this is kind of the basic way it goes. First of all, you have to apply to get a guide dog. And the application process isn't like, hey, I'd like one. They're like, here's one. you know I mean, it is a rigorous process because you have to prove that you can walk independently on your own with good cane skills, good orientation and mobility, that sort of thing. You have to apply, and sometimes it can be a six month or a year wait. It just depends. Then once you are accepted to a program, then you have to actually go to a facility more often than not. I'm sure there are certain circumstances where they might come to you, but nine times out of 10, you're going to go to a facility. In my case, Case, I went to a facility for I think it was like 25 days. It was nearly a month that I had to stay at this facility and train with the dog. I stayed in a room. Uh, they fed us meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and they took great care of us. It was awesome. But you had to be there for a long time because they don't want you coming in. And be like, here's your dog. See you later. You know, they You are the person getting trained for the most part. I mean, the dog's been trained. They're great. But now they have to work with you, and you have to understand. And I mean. The the first time you're out with a dog and it's leading you down the sidewalk, you're like, uh, oh, this is a dog. What am I doing? But it takes some time and there are ups and there are downs and things like that. So you have to go through a whole process and it can be three and a half, four weeks that you go through this training process. Then you go home and there can be, you know, a, a whole more adjustment period. Like I talked about in the news section, there can be a whole six months to a year of going through this whole process. I mean, it can take a long time to really get acclimated as a team. So the whole point is they spend a bunch of money on these dogs. They don't want to give them out willy-nilly and be like, here, good luck, have fun. They want to make sure that you know what you're doing to the best of your ability. You can problem solve. You can troubleshoot. You can do what you need to do. And they try to introduce you to as many different situations as possible. For example, when I got my dog, I was going into college. So they took us to a college campus they took us to a mall they took us to a store they took us to sidewalks um, places with no sidewalks escalators elevators all these things they want to expose you so that you can sort of make your mistakes there and then the instructor the trainer can help you through it as much as possible now obviously you're not going to get every single thing but they want enough time so that you can ask your questions you can you know go through different sa- situations and that sort of thing so again, the process is not simply, hey, I'd like a dog, can I get one? Then they ship you one in the mail. It's a long process. Although, even though it's a long process, I will say it's so rewarding and and just amazing to go through that. So if you're interested and you want to apply, just bear in mind it's not going to be in two weeks. You're going to be getting a guide dog. It might take a little bit of time. Now that's just kind of a brief overview of what is a guide dog, what's the process of getting a guide dog, what is it like going to get the guide dog, that sort of thing, and when we come back, I'm going to answer some key questions that people usually ask and get into a little more nitty gritty with using a guide dog. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Hey guys, are you interested in getting a guide dog yourself? Have you thought, "Man, I want to apply for a guide dog. I think it would be so beneficial to me." It would be awesome. Hey, I am excited for you to take that journey. And there's a place I want to recommend to you. It's called Leader Dogs for the Blind. I've got a link over in the show notes for you to check them out. That is the place I went to get my dog. They are a fantastic organization. They take care of you, they answer your questions, they feed you really well. They have an amazing facility for you to stay in and to be a part of and it's just such a great support place and their dogs are top notch. My dog was so well-trained and just an amazing, amazing animal. So if you're interested, you can go over to the show notes and get the link to Leader Dogs for the Blind. They're located in Rochester, Michigan, uh, not too far out of Detroit. And so if you're interested, go over to the show notes, lifeaftersightloss.com slash 015 and get the link to Leader Dogs for the Blind. I know you won't be disappointed. All right, guys. So we are back talking about guide dogs. And now we want to jump into some questions that people typically ask because, you know, there's some misunderstandings. There's some miscommunication and people think, oh, this and this and this. So I want to just give you some questions and answers to those questions because people have them. You might have them. So let's see what they are. Now, the first question that people usually ask is, how does the dog know where to go? Like, how does it know how to get to the store or to your work or whatever? And the answer to that is they don't. They don't know how to get to the store. They are not a furry GPS. It's not how it works. That's why the organizations want to know that you can walk independently. You have good orientation and mobility skills. You know how to get to a place. The dog simply helps you uh, be more independent to get out and go places. And so you have to know how to get there. You can't say, all right, Fido, go find, you know, whatever, the store, and it's just going to magically take you there. It doesn't work like that. And that's important to remember if you're thinking about getting a guide dog, you're still going to have to know how to get to places. Places, how to maneuver, how to cross the street, all that sort of thing. The next question people always ask was, "Why can't I pet the dog?" Because I said so. That's why you can't. <laughs> no, seriously. When you pet the dog, the point of it is you're distracting the dog. I mean, remember, folks, the dog, though it's highly trained, very intelligent, uh, just amazing animal. It's a dog, and so when you pet it, it's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, pet me. This would be great. You want to give me some food? Okay, because it's a dog, and so the reason you don't pet it is because it's distracting, It's got a job to do. I know people think that's cute. Like, oh, it's working. That's nice. In fact, my harness uh, had a sign that said, do not pet me. I am working. And people would read that out loud as they're petting the dog. They'd be like, oh, that's cute. He's working. Like, stop it. He is working. What do you mean? His job is to keep me safe, is to help me stop so I don't run into the street, things like that. He does have a job. I know you think it's cute, but he really does. And so you can tell that I really get annoyed when people did this. (laughs) And so, you know, there is is a reason you don't pet the dog. When the harness is off, when it's at home, and it's in certain places, you know, hey, no big deal, nothing wrong. It's a dog. It has a great time. I know some people are like, oh, you're so mistreating the dog because he has to work all the time. He doesn't work all the time. He gets plenty of time off, trust me. And when he is working, he lays down on the job a lot. <laughs> and so it's okay. I will share one quick story. Uh, I was in a uh, department store and it was late at night and, uh, you know, they're getting ready to close. And so there weren't many people people in there, and there was this uh, mom and a little girl in front of me, and I could see just enough to know that she was looking at my dog, and so my wife was with me, and she's like, oh, you know, little girl, she really thinks Scout's cute or whatever, but she was being so good, she wasn't running to the dog, I've had plenty of that, she was just looking, she wasn't making any noise towards the dog, she wasn't trying to call the dog, she wasn't asking her mom to pet the dog, nothing, she was just looking very calmly, and because there was nobody else in there, I made the judgment call myself, and I said, you know what, would you like to pet my dog? And she was like, yeah. And so the little, you know, came over with her mom and I had my dog sit and she pet him for just a minute and it was very nice. And in that moment, I felt like it wasn't super distracting to my dog. That girl ended up leaving. He didn't follow her or anything like that. And it was just that kind of moment. So, sure, there are moments when that happens. But 99.999% of the time, if you see a guide dog, don't pet it. Don't talk to it. You know, that sort of thing. There, there is a reason you don't pet the dog because it's working. Another question that people always ask is, what kind of dogs do they train to be guide dogs? And commonly, you'll see Labradors, uh, you'll see golden retrievers, you'll see maybe some shepherds. It depends on the organization. I know that uh, there's an organization that trains Doberman Pinchers, so it really depends on the organization and what they're comfortable with, what they've trained for the most part, that sort of thing. But I think the common ones are labs, golden retrievers, some shepherds. I've seen standard poodles. When I uh, went to get my dog, there was a person uh who had a fiance or a wife or something that was allergic to dogs so they got a standard poodle there was a huge poodle I had a poodle growing up the toy kind when I saw this dog I was like oh my gosh this is the biggest poodle I've ever seen <laughs> I didn't realize there was such a thing as a standard poodle so you know they use all kinds of breeds um, you know for guide dog again it's all about their temperament all about how they uh, interact with the instructor with the trainer that sort of thing so they want them to be kind compassionate smart intelligent that sort of thing but yeah they use a lot of different breeds Another question that somebody might ask in getting a guide dog is, well, do I I have to take care of the dog? And the answer is absolutely. This is like having a dog, only it goes everywhere with you. You still have to groom it. You still have to feed it, water it. uh, You have to make sure it goes out to the bathroom. Then you have to pick up when it goes out to the bathroom, especially when you're in public. Uh, Not to mention you have to take it to the vet. You have to get it shots, You have to get it bathed and nails clipped, all that sort of thing. This is having a dog except that dog goes everywhere with you. So it's even more important that it's groomed, that it's taken care of, that it's in good shape because if you're going to take your dog into restaurants and places like that, you want your dog in the best shape it can be in. Now, it's going to shed and it's going to have those moments or whatever, but if you take your dog in there all, you know, like tangled hair and it's dirty and everything else, they don't want that dog in there. Now, they can't refuse because it's a guide dog, but You don't want to take your dirty, nasty dog into a restaurant. You wouldn't want somebody else doing that. So you got to take care of your dog. Again, just like having a dog, only it goes everywhere with you. So it's even more important that the dog is taken care of. Now, those are just a few questions that I've gotten in the past, and I'm sure you have more. So I encourage you, if you want to know more about this, of course, you can look up uh, the different organizations. You can send me an email, Derek to E-R-E-K at lifeaftersightloss.com, and let me know. I'll be happy to answer any questions I can and then pass you on to people that have real, real good answers who actually do this for a living. So just let me know and uh, do some research on your own for those organizations. Now, finally, you might be saying, well, Derek, this is great. It's good information, but is a guide dog right for me? Like, should I get a guide dog? Should I have one? Here's the thing. Only you and your immediate family can answer those questions. I did a video last year. It's one of my first videos uh, where I gave five things to consider before... Getting a guide dog: five things to consider, and I have embedded that video in the show notes over at lifeaftersightlosscom 015. So you can go over there, you can watch that entire video, and it'll give you five things to consider in your own personal life. And some of things, uh, some of those we've talked about here, and some we haven't. But I just encourage you that if you're thinking about it for your own self, if you're like, "Is it for me?" You have to think about all the things: the process, the application, the dog itself, uh, how you travel, all those things. But if you want to know those five things to consider, hop on over to the show notes, lifeaftersightloss.com slash zero one. Five, and that'll give you some more information on whether a guide dog is right for you. So all in all guys, guide dogs are amazing. I'm very high on guide dogs. If anybody has them, I think they're awesome. I think they're amazing. They're trained so well. Uh, I just can't say enough good things about having a guide dog. So if you're interested, if you haven't gotten one and you're interested in applying, make sure that you go over to the show notes. All the links you'll need right there. If you have one, I'd love to hear from you about your Your journey using a guide dog and make sure you share that with others as well, because man, guide dogs are so great. And again, if you have any questions, please let me know. I'd be happy to do my best to answer them for you to help you in your journey and possibly getting a guide dog. And finally, guys, I like to end with my real life retweet. It's a tweet, a quote, something that I've seen that applies here and lets you think about it as you leave the podcast today because, you know, a lot of information comes flying at you like drinking from a fire hose. So if I give you one little quote maybe to think about, uh, to ponder on, that's really good. So our quote today comes from an actor. His name is Robert Wagner. You may have heard of him. And he's got a small little quote about a dog here, and it's really, really great. And it says this, quote, A dog will teach you unconditional love. If you can have that in your life, things won't be too bad, end quote. And man, that's so true. Dogs teach you unconditional love because they'll love you when you're up, when you're down, when you're bad, when you're sad, when you're happy, whatever. A dog will love you and be loyal and faithful. So our quote again today is, a dog will teach you unconditional love. And if you can have that in your life, things won't be too bad. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we've come to the end of another show here. Ah, We've talked about so much today and it's been awesome and I just want to give you a few housekeeping items here at the end. Stick with me. I, I think you'll appreciate them. First of all, remember, you need to subscribe to the podcast and if you haven't done that yet, you can go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash podcast and that'll give you the links for Apple Podcasts, for Google Play, for Stitcher. Of course, you can subscribe in Overcast, all kinds of other great places and you may be saying, why should I subscribe? Because you don't want to miss a single episode every week, every Wednesday. I have a new episode coming out and you got to listen to them because I'm going to give you insight. I'm going to give you information, answer questions you might have, have some interesting guests, all that sort of thing. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's totally free and that way you won't miss a single episode. And while you're subscribing to the podcast, if you would be so kind as to leave a rating and review in iTunes, that would be fantastic. That way, I know that people are really enjoying the show and it helps other people that find the show to know, wow, okay, real people listen to this. This is great. But maybe you're saying, well, Derek, I don't use iTunes, Google Play or Stitch or something like that. Hey, you know what? No problem. You can do one of two things. One, you can just send me an email, Derek to E-R-E-K at com, and let me know what you think. Hey, do you enjoy the podcast? Is there something you'd like to see or hear on the podcast? I'd love to hear from you. And the second thing you can do is just share it with your friends. Yeah, put it on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on the Instagrams, whatever you're using, share it. Tell your neighbor, go run around the street and scream it from the rooftops that you love Life After Sight Loss radio. Okay, if you're visually impaired, maybe don't climb on the rooftop. But regardless, tell your friends, tell your family members, tell your social media because that way it lets a lot more people know about the podcast. And speaking of letting people know, I want to hear from you. Like I said, you can send me that email. You can go to the Facebook page and like it. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, that sort of thing. I love social media. It's a great place to interact. I share uh, lots of different articles and things like that. You know, I I have some articles here on the podcast that I share in news and updates, but some of those things I just share out on the Facebooks, on the Twitters. I don't know why I pluralize things. It seems to be more fun that way. But anyway, uh, go on and uh, like me on social media. That way you can follow me and connect with me over there. And that is going to do it for another episode of Life After Sight Loss Radio. I've had so much fun today, and I want to say a special thank you for listening, for coming all the way to the end of the podcast. Thank you so, so much. Hey, don't forget that you can get the show notes to today's episode over at LifeAfterSightLoss.com slash 015. That's going to give you information, links, that video with the five things to consider before you get a guide dog. I'm going to give you all that. Just go to LifeAfterSightLoss.com 0 1 5. Thanks again for listening guys. And until next time, remember that sight loss isn't the end. It's just the beginning. My name is Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com and I'll see you in the next one. The information on this podcast and on lifeaftersightloss.com is intended for informational and educational purposes only. If you're in need of professional, medical, or legal advice, Please seek out a specialist in your area.